Well, if you have your Bibles, if you could open up to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 8. I'm going to preach a message tonight. I, I, I was meditating on this, and we're going into a fasting period here in January. And just talking to a lot of different people and friends and whatnot, there's a lot of battles and burdens that people have been going through. And I just felt, feel it necessary to preach this message. David, the supreme soldier, what really happened when David fought Goliath? I want you to understand this was not just another war in the Old Testament. The fight between David and Goliath was not covered by ESPN or HBO, but, but it was the number one heavy fight for all the ages. How did David win this fight? What was the secret strategy? What drove such a young boy to go up against a 600-pound giant that had the armies of Israel wetting in their pants? Today I want you to hear the spiritual principles of war where you will fight and win. Listen, there is no victory without a fight. There is no dawn without a night. And there is no crown without a cross. And there is no prize without a cost. If you think you're going somewhere in this life without fighting, it's not going to happen. I want you to read the story and let's begin to see the message of the Lord. 1 Samuel 17, verse 8, and I'll read. And then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And you servants of Saul, choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we should fight together. <clears throat> now pick it up in verse 41. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. The man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth and ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine st said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. That's a very important verse right there. And the Philistines said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defied this day. The Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines, the birds of the air, and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. I want you to hear these principles today and then go out and use them the rest of your life because they will never fail you when you go out to fight a supernatural fight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, let us hear this message, for it is heaven's message for humanity in the battles of life. 
In Jesus' name, amen. What was the fight about? This fight was about the spiritual supremacy of planet Earth. This was a fight that was indeed the war of the worlds. This was a fight of supernatural champions. Goliath of Gath was Satan's champion. David, the shepherd boy, was God's champion. Goliath had been trained from his youth up to be a killer. He was 13 feet 4 inches tall, equals 6 cubits in a span. He weighed somewhere around 500 to 700 pounds. He carried a spear like a weaver's beam, which weighed 23.5 pounds. The Dakes Bible says some say the total weight of Goliath's armor was between 200 and 318 pounds. He was indeed Hercules from hell. In Scripture, six is the number of sin. The Antichrist is said to have the number 666 because he represents the demonic trinity. Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. Historians say he had six fingers and six toes. He was indeed Satan's son. He was sired in Genesis 6 by hell's angels who impregnated the daughters of men to produce supermen on the earth. So I use the phrase Hercules from hell. So why did Satan place giants upon the earth? Satan placed giants upon the earth to destroy Israel, the apple of God's eye. He placed giants upon the earth so he could control it with military force. In this particular occasion, he, he was designed to kill David's God's champion. Because if he could kill David, he would prevent David's great-great-great-grandson, Jesus Christ, from being born in Bethlehem's manger. If he could prevent the birth of Jesus Christ, he could prevent the cross. If he presents, prevents the cross, he prevents your salvation. If he pre prevents your salvation, there's no thought of heaven and redemption for your soul. If Satan could have done all that, he would have held you and I prisoner here on planet earth because it was certainly Satan's domain. I want you to hear this. The principles of spiritual warfare David used to win this crucial fight, you must learn and master and they will bring you victory. So let me ask you the question. When was the last time you had a knockdown, knuckle-busting fight? I'm serious. It wasn't when you were in high school and you bloodied the nose of the guy flirting with your girlfriend. It wasn't last month at the office. It wasn't the fight you had with your wife last night. Don't raise your hand. You may have been brought up thinking that fighting was exceptional and a once-in-a-while thing. I'm going to tell you that's absolutely wrong. Fighting is the secret to your spiritual survival. Fighting is the secret to your spiritual survival. David said, God has taught my hands to make war. St. Paul says, fight the good fight of faith. Say that with me. Fight the good fight of faith. <clears throat> I want you to hear this clearly. Anything standing in the way between you and your peace and prosperity and your divine assignment from God is your enemy. The Bible says you have an enemy. His name is Satan. He has come to rob, kill, and destroy. He wants to rob you of your spiritual inheritance. He wants to rob you of your health and kill your physical body. And he wants to rob you of your soul. St. Paul tells every believer to put on the whole armor of God in Ephesians 6 and take a stand in the evil day. The evil day is not coming. The evil day is here. You're either going to be the victor or the victim. Let me say that again. You're either going to be the victor or the victim. The army 
The armor of the believer in Ephesians 6 protects every part of the believer except the back. Why? Because in, in the army of the living God, retreat is not an option. Retreat is not an option. When Goliath comes before you, and when the enemies of God come before you, you hit the problem head on. You attack the problem with confidence. You attack in the name of the Lord Jesus. You attack with faith believing. You attack knowing that you cannot be defeated and you will not be denied. You attack knowing that the giants will fall before you. You attack knowing that the victory is yours through Christ the Lord's. You attack knowing that the anointing is with you and all you have is a slingshot, but a slingshot is all you need when you're anointed. So here's 12 things that will guarantee your defeat. Listen closely. If you find any of these things in your mind, in your speech, you get them out of your mind and speech because they guarantee your defeat. Number one, self-doubt. Number two, timidity. Number three, low self-esteem. Number four, negative attitudes. Number five, laziness. Number six, uncontrolled anger. Number seven, fear. Number eight, worry. Number nine, procrastination. Number 10, the failure to focus. Number 11, depression over things you can control. And number 12, unforgiveness. If any of those dozen things are in your life, get them out because they guarantee your defeat. You'll never be victorious in life and you'll never be successful at what you do. Listen, winners always focus on what they're going to. Whereas losers focus on what they're going through. Quit living your life looking in the rearview mirror and reminding yourself of all your failures and past success. You can starve tomorrow thinking about last year's success. Did you make a million dollars last year? Forget about it. You could starve tomorrow thinking about last year's success. The Bible says this day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice. Here are several ways you can face Goliath. Number one, you can face him with absolute denial. He's not here. When some people hear a noise at night and they're sleeping, they pull the covers over their head. This is denial. On one occasion, a husband and wife were sleeping in the master bedroom upstairs. She hears a sound that she's been hearing for the last 25 years. And after much nagging of 25 years, he goes, he gets out of bed and goes down to find the source of the sound. Only this joyous night, there's actually a burglar in the house. He's carrying out all their stuff. And so he says to the burglar, hey, take it all. You can have it. All I want you to do is come up and meet my wife. She's been looking for you for 25 years. <laughs> That's one way. The second way is this. Oh, Goliath. He really doesn't mean it. He's just misunderstood. What part of give me a man that we should fight together don't you get? Oh, he'll make a great Christian once I give him this track. It's just a breakdown of communication. There's no breakdown of communication. You're going to have to whip them before there's peace. Listen, peace through power is a spiritual principle. You can deny that Goliath is, isn't there, or you can face Goliath like David did, head on. 1 Samuel 17, 48, 
David selected five smooth stones. And the Bible says David hurried and ran to Goliath. David said, you come to me with the sword and a spear and with the javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defied. And David slung his slingshot and struck Goliath in the forehead, and he fell on his face dead. And David ran over and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and cut his head off. And he brought it to Jerusalem to King Saul. Every person here has enemies or an enemy. You may have enemies in your own heart, enemies in your mind, or enemies in your body and your health from your past. Maybe it, it may be an offense from another person. Jesus said in Matthew 24.10 concerning the end of the age, and then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Maybe it's deception. Jesus said in Matthew 24.4, take heed that no one deceives you. Jesus said in John 10.10, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. So like I said, you have an enemy. You can deny that he's there. I'm saying to you, according to the word of God, face them head on. Stop denying those imperfections that exist. Stop denying there's a giant in your life. Stop denying that you're bowing at the shrine of fear. You've called it something else, but it's fear. Have faith in God. Face your frustration. If you failed before, try again. Look at the word triumph. It means triumph. Try it one more time. Don't give an alibi. Give another try. Winners always focus on what they're going to, while losers focus on what they're going through. I'm going to say that several times. Don't complain about what you permit. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight now. Fight fearlessly and fight to win. Fight confidently, knowing that God is on your side. If God before you, who can be against you? God said to Joshua, one, chapter 1, verse 9, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. The Lord thy God is with you wherever you go. So fight to win in Jesus' name. Soldiers are made in combat. And faith must be tested by fire. You don't know how good God is until you really get in a spiritual fight and you stand firm in your faith. And when God shows up, He shows up on your behalf. And you thank Him because He's the God of might and majesty and grace and glory. You are, going th are you going through adversity? Listen to me. Adversity is the breeding ground for miracles. It's the breeding ground for miracles. Stop looking at what you're going through and start looking at what you're going to. God is leading you by the hand to your destiny. He's leading you to the business or job opportunity that's going to break the shackles of poverty. He's going to give you mountains you've never climbed before. He's leading you to green pastures and still waters. He's going to anoint your head with oil like David, and your cup is going to runneth over. He's going to make you the head and not the tail. He's going to bless you exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. God's a rewarder to those who diligently seek Him. So have confidence in God and, and fight to win. For nothing shall be impossible unto those that believe. Think about that. Nothing shall be impossible unto those that believe. So what do you believe? Let's look at another spiritual principle. David looked at this 500-pound giant and said, The battle is the Lord's. Say that with me. 
the battle is the Lord's. If you remember that in every spiritual battle, victory's already on the way. When God is on your side, there ain't enough demons in hell to defeat you. If you want to lose the fight, say things like this. This is my fight. These are my rights. I'm fighting for my will. And puffed up with pride. It's my way or the highway. If you have that attitude, you will lose. You'll lose. The Bible says in James 4, 6, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. But if you say, this is the Lord's fight. This is for His glory. This is to preach the gospel. This is to set the captives free. This is to heal the sick and the brokenhearted. It's to feed the hungry. It's to clothe the naked. It's to comfort the widow. It's to care for the fatherless. Because it's the, it's the victory God is going to bring to you for His glory. It's always for His glory. The moment you, be you begin to say that, angels begin to leave the balconies of heaven and come to your rescue. And God starts fighting on your side. The battle's the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. But I've heard people say to me this. I've heard them say, if the battle's the Lord's, then I'm excused from fighting. I'm in the B company. I'll be here when, when you leave and be here when you get back. I've heard people say that. I had a person real close to me that was a believer, and I looked up to him, and he told me, you just give it to the Lord and you don't have to fight. But as I began to study the, the Bible and began to teach a class on spiritual warfare, I began to see exactly the opposite. Listen, God didn't go out and five, five smooth stones, David did. God didn't load the slingshot, David did. God didn't wind up the slingshot and release, release the stone at Goliath, David did. God did not cut uh, Goliath's head off, David did. God did not sit on the throne of Israel, David did. God uses men and women to accomplish his will here on earth. Men to preach, men and women to pray, men and women to witness, to teach, to, to sing, to give. Ab God said to Abraham, I want you to get out of your father's country and I will make you a great nation. And he did. Noah, I want you to build an ark and save your family. And he did. Mary, I want you to give birth to the son of God in Bethlehem's manger. And he did. You are the hands of God. Each and every one of you here, God uses your feet. He uses your voice. And you are the warriors of God. Amen. Everyone here. When God gets ready to do something, he sends you, 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 everyone in here. He sends to fight. The Bible says this, what you bind on earth, I'll bind in heaven. The initiative rests with you and I, not God. Paul says, fight the good fight of faith. Run the race, run to win. James says this, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Who does the resisting? You or God? You do. You take the initiative. And then God shows right up and fights and gives you the victory through the glory of God. Listen, I failed God and you failed God. But God will never fail you or I, not ever. Just get that right into your mind. Don't let the devil try to creep in thinking that you don't have the faith. You've got it. You just don't know. 
Sometimes it takes getting into a knockdown, spiritual drag-out fight to realize just what you've got. But God will never fail you. After David's older brother said to him, he said, I know your pride. David looked at him and said, is there not a cause? Say that with me. Is there not a cause? He looked at his brothers and said, there's a pagan down there in the valley who's defied Israel, the God of Israel. This pagan's trying to drag us into heathenism. This pagan is saying, we are going to serve him. And we're not. We're only going to serve Jehovah God. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. No matter how bad it gets, never give up. Never give up. Winners focus on what they're going through, while losers always talk about what they're going through. If you want to change your current situation, start changing by what you say. David gave a public confession of faith and then ran towards Goliath. He made it public. He said, I'm going to cut that guy's head off. I'm going to kill him. Three faith, faith principles. Faith must be confessed. Faith must take action. And faith must be tested by fire. David said in chapter 17, The God who delivered me from the lion and the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine and save the nation of Israel out of the hand of the devil himself. That's confession. He made that confession before he knew that anything was going to happen. You see, faith is the radar that sees through the fog. You don't know how it's going to turn out, but the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, Trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He'll direct your paths. That's all you have to do. That's all you have to do. We must be faithful in the little things before we can be faithful in big things. What God has done, He will do again in your life. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. Say to, some, say to somebody next to you, say, God has helped me before, he'll help me again. Last in closing, chapter 17 ends with Saul asking this one question. And this baffled me when I read this. I had to read it over several times and, actually, and then get in and, and probe into the Hebrew to figure out what he, was, what he was saying. He says this, Whose son are you? Now this first presented a mystery to me because in chapter 16, David gave a concert for Saul. So Saul knows who David is, and he knows that he's from his father's house, Jesse the Bethlehemite. He knew. And when you probe into the Hebrew text, what, really he, what he's really asking is, what power's behind you? What anointing is driving you? What is your divine destiny? Whose are you that you could walk across here, a shepherd boy, with a slingshot and kill that monster? Whose son are you? As God was saying that, 
Or, or as Saul was saying that to David, I'm saying that to you. Whose son are you? And David looked at him and said, I'm David from the house of Jesse. Whose son am I? I am the forerunner of my great, great, great grandson who shall be born in Bethlehem's manger. Why? Because Bethlehem is the house of bread and he shall be called Jesus, the bread of life. For the word of God is the light to our pathway. It is the bread to those who are hungry for him. It is meat for men. It is the honey in the rock that satisfies the soul. It is milk for children. It is the living, living water to those who thirst after righteousness. It is God's grace that is greater than all of your sin. In the book of Genesis, he is the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. It is the power of God to salvation. In Le Leviticus, he is our high priest. In Numbers, he is the cloud by day and the fire by night. David says in Psalms 91.2, he is my refuge and my fortress. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah, says Matthew. He is the lamb of God, says the gospel of Luke. The synoptic gospel says he is the prince of peace. He is the alpha and the omega, the first and the last. He is the sea walker and the blind man healer. He is the fourth man in the fiery furnace. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the chief shepherd and the father to the orphan. He's, where there seems to be no way, he makes a way for you. For nothing is impossible to those that believe. For you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. For he will never leave you nor forsake you. God is as close to us as our next prayer. Don't ever forget that. He is our refuge and our fortress. Greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world. If God before you, who can be against you? We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, for our God is able to deliver you. He is the all-powerful. He is the all-knowing. He is the all-seeing. He is everywhere. For Hebrews 4.13 says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but everything is open to the eyes of him, to whom we must give an account. He is El Shaddai, the Almighty God. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. He is Jehovah Rophe, the Lord your healer. He is Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our banner. He is Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Psalms 91, 11 says, For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They shall bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against a stone. He is your Lord, he is your Savior, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. As the worship team comes up, <clears throat> and we close, if you always remember that the battle is the Lord's. Friday night I was in the jail and I was preaching. I preached this message to the men in there. And some of them, they never, they never cracked open a Bible before. They didn't know that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob loved them to, to be their, their Savior. They felt like, they, they feel like they have no redeeming value whatsoever. And that's what the devil tries to do to even believers. He tries to make you think that God will not show up in that battle. So a lot of times you find yourself trying to fight your own battle. But I'm here to tell you, if you use that spiritual principle, the battles, the Lord's, he will show up. He'll show up on your behalf. God doesn't respond to our need. He responds to our faith that we have in him. He responds to your faith. To your faith. You don't go to him with a list of needs. You go to him with your faith. 
and you say, look, God, I believe that you can do it. And the moment you, you speak those words, he shows up because you're a child of God.